Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Amen. Well, in regards to just giving you a, a, a little bit of a teaser, there's some things that I, I just like stats and statistics because it kind of just gives you a temperature and kind of a, an idea of where people at, are at. And so I look at some statistics in, in regards to where people are at in this year as we close out this year. In regards to the mental health and, and just overall physical and mental health and stability of people at this time as, we have closed, as we're closing out this year. What the statistics are showing us is that the majority, in fact, all peoples are being impacted in a negative way more so than at the beginning of this year. And obviously you can say, well, yeah, yeah I can agree with that. But listen, here's, let me give you some statistics. When it comes to individuals of different political parties, different political parties play out differently. But all political parties, or if you affiliate with that, are doing worse off in your mental and physical health and well-being. Concerning the genders, both men and women doing poorer. Concerning the ages, all ages are poorer in their health and their well-being. When it comes to ethnic groups, every ethnic group is doing poorer in this time than at the beginning of the year. Concerning Economical brackets or where people find themselves uh, in their financial stability. Everybody is finding themselves lesser or poor in health in their mental well-being. And then even in the church, we are seeing that all peoples are being affected for the worse in this hour. And that, let me break that down for you because, again, I found this to be interesting. For those of individuals that consider themselves to be Democrats or independents, or republicans. You know who's doing the better out of all three groups? They're still doing worse off, but they're the better of the group. Republicans. Go figure. When it comes to the ages, or excuse me, genders, men or women, who would you think is doing better between? Men. Why? Well, because us men, we just put, put it off on you ladies. <laughs> Take care of that, will you? <laughs> Take care of the kids, you know, <laughs> pay the bills. I, you know, again, I think us guys, we just kind of chuck it off. And I think the women carry more of maybe the burden of the home. When it comes to the economical brackets, who do you think is doing better or worse off when it comes to health and mental well-being? Come on, throw it out there. Those that are doing better or those that were doing worse off? Those that are in the lower bracket are actually the ones that are doing better. They're still in a lesser place of mental health and well-being as they were in the beginning of the year. But those that didn't have a whole lot to begin with, they're still experiencing the same thing. So they're better off than some of the other ones that have maybe had large incomes and have felt the impact of that. Now, when it comes to the people of faith, this was the only one that was different out of all the statistics that they showed forth. For those individuals that are people of faith that just go to church 
every so often, very seldom, their mental health and well-being was poor. For those that just occasionally attended church, they were still poor. There was only one group of people that actually were doing better statistically than anybody else, and that was the people that were going to church weekly. They were the ones that actually were doing better in this season, not declining. In fact, 68% of people that go to church weekly are doing better in this season than anybody else. Now, again, I don't know if that does anything for you, but that does something for me. Because, again, in this time, we see that committed people of faith, they think different. They see things different. They, they approach things different because they have a faith in God and their focus is on different things. Can somebody say amen? amen. And, and I don't know about you, but uh, you, you've heard concerning this year in 2020, people are saying this has been a horrible year. This has been just difficult. This has been the worst year ever. And every time you turn on the news, you're hearing how bad it has been. I don't know about you, but this has been an amazing year for me. I don't know about you, but I look at back at this year and I'm thinking, man, God has done some amazing things. And when I look at this year, I'm thinking, this wasn't a bad year. Yeah, there were some hiccups. There were some things that, that went, went awry. But overall, this was an amazing year. I grew closer with my family uh, financially. Man, I just, I increased this year. I mean, God has done some amazing things this year. And I look back and I said, this, this wasn't a hard year. This was actually an awesome year. I talked to one business owner here in the church, and he said that this year, He's made more money this year in his business than he's ever made. And you would think, how is that even possible? Well, for the household of faith, for the people of God, those that put their trust in him, the ones that know that God still moves the mountains. Why? Because they got a relationship with him. Oh, man, it's been an amazing year. It's been a good year. Has anybody looked at this year and said, it's been a good year? Come on, can anybody say that with me? Man, I'm telling you, God has done some amazing things this year. And one of the things that I can say that I really enjoyed the most is that this year has brought about rest. It has caused us to slow down and just come to a place of resting in God. And, and for myself as a pastor, I would say the biggest concern or the weight that I carry in this year was the people of God or our church. Because I'm looking at you guys and I'm being stirred for you guys. And my heart is for you guys. And then when you see just what the enemy does and how he dishuffles people and whatever it might be. You know, that's, that's the, the weight that I carry. But overall, I look at this, this year and I think, man, it's been an amazing year. We've had a good year. God has been good. And it has produced rest. And in this time of rest, one of the things that I've seen, not only for myself but for the body of Christ is that much of the distractions have been removed. Because of all the things that have been required, of things being shut down, it has literally moved or removed the distractions from our life. And the thing about it is, is that we have gotten so busy with life that we've not realized how destructive the distractions are. Because you realize that all those distractions, they're just subtle, aren't they? 
We just add one more thing here. We just do one more thing here. We just increase whatever it might be. And before we know it, man, we're so bogged down because of the distractions. We're just kind of drowning in it, but it's become normal. And we're thinking, dear God, is this all that there is to life? But in this time of rest, it has allowed the distractions to be removed. And I believe that it's really in the heart of God for us to finally get to this place where our eyes are opened. Because if you didn't realize it or not, distractions can be dangerous. I said distractions can be dangerous. I'm going to give you an example just to express the danger of distractions. And again, it's, it's kind of a, a reach or a stretch to, to draw this into what I'm saying. But you'll get the point. How many of you have got cell phones? Everybody got cell phones, right? Is there anybody that's not texting these days? Does every, everybody pretty much texts, right? And I was one of those guys that I said, I will never text. That's the stupidest thing it could ever be. I mean, call me. If you want to talk to me, call me. Don't text me. Huh? I'm not a good speller anyways, you know. But now I'm finding that texting's pretty good, man. It's like, hi, how you doing? Shut up, leave me alone. Whatever, you know. I can make it short and sweet. I don't have to really have a whole lot of conversation. It can just be direct and to the point, right? And, man, you can even talk into your phone. Text it for me. Driving down the road, hey, Siri, text so-and-so. What would you like to say? Uh, hey, meet me, you know what I'm saying, right? But now listen, concerning texting and driving, how many of you would say that texting and driving is a dangerous distraction? We know that it is. But listen to these statistics. One of four accidents are caused by individuals texting while they're driving. 1.6 million crashes took place this year because of individuals texting and driving. And out of those accidents, nearly 400,000 of them were fatal. Or in other words, they died. So about one-third. So listen to this. In regards to the statistics concerning texting and driving, we see that the, the, the age range between 25 and 35 years old 95% of them say that they text and drive, and they say that they drive fairly well. Almost 50% of them said that they actually text and drive really well. So do you see the deception? And we would sit back and we would say, that's just foolish. Texting and driving is dangerous. We've seen statistics show that the danger of it actually causes fatalities. And what is the root of the danger of it? The distraction, right? The distraction is what is so dangerous and fatal to individuals' lives. And the distraction doesn't necessarily just affect you, but obviously it affects others. And so this busyness that we have found ourselves in as people of God, this distraction and this overwhelming cloud that we've been living under, we have actually been in a dangerous position and those around us have been uh, innocent bystanders because of the distractions. And God's saying, I want you to come to a place of where the distractions are removed. And once again, for the sake of, of saying it, we, we realize that this whole past year, that God isn't the author of it, but he can sure get in the middle of it and he can turn it around for the benefit of his people. Can he? Amen. And so here's my challenge for you this year. As we close this year, 
rather than looking back and looking at all the doom and gloom, let's, for just a moment, look back and see what God has done. And seeing the faithfulness of God from the very beginning. But not only just looking back at what this year held and what was entailed, but let's pivot and begin to look ahead. Because the window and the door of 2021 is close at hand. And in this season, I know that God is saying, it's time to reach. 2021 is a time and a year to reach. For us at GVC, it is a time to reach. Now, here's what I mean. Let me give you some definitions of the word reach. To begin with, the word reach means to extend or to stretch. To extend or to stretch. Have you ever tried to reach for something? Or, you know, you're driving down the road and something fell on the back seat. Maybe it was your phone. You know, you was texting and driving like you weren't supposed to. You dropped your phones in the back seat and you're trying to reach it, right? Have you ever tried to reach? And maybe you even feel it on the tips of your fingers. It's just out of reach. It's just out of your ability to grasp, but you're extending, you're stretching. Then you get that kink in the neck. You know what I mean? You stretch or reach for something that is just outside of your grasp. Number two, to take or to draw near. So in other words, when you go to reach for something, the intent is to get it and bring it to yourself. Number three, to arrive. Did you reach your destination? Yes, I did arrive. So again, there's a place, a destination. There's a, there, there's a, a place that we're looking to achieve or to arrive at. God's wanting us to reach. Number four, there's a measure or the measurement of a limit. Meaning, did you reach capacity? Did you reach or extend yourself as far as you could go? What's our limits? Number five, to reach or to communicate with. Hey, did you reach your, your son or daughter over the holiday? Did you give them a call? Did you reach them? Are you getting the point? So in the very definition of the word reach over this next series called reach starting today, going into this beginning of the new year, we're going to look at some facets of the word reach and how that is applicable to us in this season, in this hour as a people and as a church. Because once again, it's time for us to reach. Let me give you a story, one that you're familiar with. It's the very first miracle of Jesus. It's where he turned the water into wine. Let me read that story to you. In John chapter 2, starting at verse 1, we're going to begin to look at somebody that reached. And how the reached, the reach changed not only a person's life, but changed the lives of those around them. It says, on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and the disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, there is no wine. Verse 4 says, and Jesus said to her, woman, what is this concern, or what does your concern have to do with me? He says, my hour has not yet come. Now let's just stop there for a moment. The Bible tells us that they ran out of wine 
and Mary, or the mother of Jesus, came to Jesus and makes a statement. How many of you know that in a statement, there can be all kinds of implications or meanings behind a single statement, right? Now, first of all, the question would be was, why is Mary concerned about the fact that they ran out of wine? Well, the only time that somebody's concerned with the affairs of what's going on is if you had some invested interest in it. So it very well could be that Mary, maybe she was the wedding coordinator and she was the one that was in charge of this. And so therefore, she was going to be held accountable for it. Or again, she's given account, man, we've ran out of wine. And she turns to Jesus and she just makes a statement, we're out of wine. We've ran out. Now, in that statement, she was not asking a question. She was making a direct statement. But there must have been a tone in her voice because we see how Jesus responded. He responded in a manner concerning how she said what she said. Now, let me just give you an example. Now, as I was going over my notes this morning... This example came to me, and so forgive me for the graphic nature of just my example. Again, I'm a guy, so forgive me. But here's the example. You're in the bathroom, and you happen to look over, and you realize there's no toilet paper. So from the bathroom, you say, there's no toilet paper! Now, you're not asking the question, are you? And you're not just stating facts. You're saying, I need toilet paper. Somebody bring me some toilet paper, right? In one statement, you know what the implied meaning is, right? So that must mean that when Mary said, there's no wine, she must have been looking to Jesus and saying, do something about this. Are you getting it? Are you seeing it? And he says, what does this concern have to do with me? And he even goes on to say, he says, my time is not yet come. We'll come back to that. Let's continue reading. He says, my hour has not come, starting in verse 5, or continuing in verse 5. He says, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out now, and then take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drew the water knew, the master of the feast called to the bridegroom. He said to them or said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, he says, then they put out the inferior or the not so good stuff. He says, but you have kept the good wine until now. Verse 11 says, this beginning of signs or in other words this was the first miracle that jesus did in cana of galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him now i said to you that the title of our series is called reach 
And in 2021, God is challenging us to reach, to stretch, to grasp something that is just outside of our ability to grab hold of. There's a destination that God wants us to arrive to, but there's something that we must do and we must reach. Now, let's look at this story here concerning Mary, because Mary reached. We saw that in this story, the wine came to its limit. In other words, it reached its end and it went no further. But then we also go on to see that when it reached its limit, Mary communicated. Remember, we said that reach is also communicating. Did you reach somebody? The Bible says that Mary communicated something. She communicated a problem, but she wasn't stating the obvious. In her voice, she was reaching. She was reaching beyond the natural circumstances. The natural circumstances communicated defeat. The natural circumstances communicated that there was no more. But the reach drew God near. Once again, you remember the definition of the word reach is to draw or bring close or to draw near. So therefore, in the statement that she made when she said, there's no more wine, whatever he says, do it. She was reaching, communicating, bringing God near with the very statement that she made. Are you tracking with me? Now, here's the thing that you got to understand. That God is not going to just step into your world, into your life, into your circumstance, unless you reach. Because the obvious fact was is that they were out of wine. And for most people, they say, well, I guess the party's over. I guess we're ending it earlier than we expected. Might as well just go home, take a, take a doggy bag with you, because all the wine's gone. But no. She invited God to come into her circumstance. And it was the reach that allowed God to have access to her life. See, oftentimes I believe that we've looked over this last year and say, Oh, dear God, God, what are you going to do about it? And God says, Well, what are you going to do about it? Oh, God, I hope it don't touch my house. God, I hope it don't, don't affect my family. Okay, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to sit there and just hope that God does something? Or are you going to reach out and say, God, I need you to move. You see, unless we reach, God just watches. In the reach, it also remembers God's faithfulness. Why is that? Because the Bible says that this was the beginning of signs. So in other words, Jesus had not done any miracles up to this point. Mary knew that Jesus was called to be the Messiah. But he was just a normal kid growing up. Coming into being a young man. There was no ministry of Jesus. There was nothing that she could draw back on and say, Well, I remember Jesus. When we were at the house, man, we ran out of milk. And I said, Can you do something about the milk? And you got us some more milk on the table. Just said, You know, there it is. No, there was nothing that she could remember. There was nothing that he had done previous to this point. But what she did remember was the miracle of Jesus coming on the scene. She remembered what God said to her through the angel. 
And because she remembered the faithfulness of God, it gave her the ability to reach in the moment and say, God, there is a deficiency. God, I need help. God, you need to step in. And therefore, I'm trusting you. I need you to do something. And so, in other words, it was her faith that moved God. I want you to hear me. Oftentimes, we're waiting for God to move, but God is oftentimes waiting for you to move him. Me move God? Absolutely. You see, see, God can do anything that he wants to do because he's God, right? Or he's got the power, the ability to do. But he's looking for you to give him permission. You see, if God's not moving, we've got to get the, 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 the tenacity to say, God, if you're not moving, I'm going to move you. And that's where we've been coming into this last year. That's where I've been coming into this place as a pastor saying, God, there needs to be a church that will rise up in this hour and be a church of power, a church of love, a church of demonstration, a church that will reach because this community needs to know God. And so I've been, God, we're not settling for anything less. God, you are going to move. Now, I know, again, that kind of rubs people to say, you mean I can move God? Absolutely. How do you move God? Your faith. It provokes God. Now, you might say, well, I, I don't get it. Well, let me just give you an example. Again, this is a little bit of an obscure example. But, you know, my son and I, we, uh, uh, just the boy thing, we wrestle, you know. Any of you dads wrestle with your boys? Well, see, my boy, he can be watching his cartoon or watching his program on TV, and I can come over there and I can mess with him a little bit. Because what I want to do is wrestle with him. So I mess with him. He says, stop. Come on, boy. Dad, leave me alone, Dad. Come on, you punk. Let's go. Come on, punk. What am I doing? I'm provoking him. Dad, I'm watching my, watching my show. Leave me alone. Well, if I keep poking him, you know what happens? All right. <laughs> he comes off the couch, right? He's ready to go. What did I do? I moved my son intentionally because I wanted to wrestle with him. Do you realize that God wants to wrestle with you in a good way? And he's wanting you to provoke him by your faith to say, God, if you don't think anything's going to happen here, I just want you to know I'm going to poke you, prod you. My faith is going to stir you because, God, we need you to move right now. I'm reaching out to you beyond my limits. My faith is reaching on beyond what I can see. And, God, I'm drawing you near. Does that make sense? And so we are going to purpose to pursue God this year and move God, provoke God, because there needs to be a church that's not just coming in and doing the status quo, kumbaya, going home and being the same. No, we're going to be a people that is rising up and making impact in this community. Amen. If we're not going to be that people, then let's just go home. If we're not going to be that people, then let's just go down to the church down the road that's just going through the motions anyways. Well, if that's all we're going to do, then when the summer comes, I'm going golfing. I'm sorry. Golfing, fishing, and all that other good stuff. Right? But no, we're going to be a people that reaches in this next year. Can somebody say amen? amen. Now, once again, to notice or recognize the power of Mary's reach. She had nothing to look back on to say, this is what Jesus has done before, so I know he'll do it now. <clears throat> all she did was communicate one thing. She said, whatever he says, do it. So if you will pursue God this next year, if you'll pursue God in these next few days of this year itself, 
as you purpose to reach, get ready for God to say something. Did you see what Mary did? She said, I'm reaching my faith out. God, you need to move. Now, he's going to say something. Whatever he says, do it. So that tells us two different things. That number one, God is going to start talking to you. He's going to give you instructions. He's going to say, I need you to do this. I need you to go here. I need you to do X, Y, and Z. And then there's going to be a call to action that you've actually got to do something. Now, let me just give you an example. You realize that God is always drawing you and wanting you to go deeper in Him and get to know Him better. And see, as you begin to grow in God, God will say, let's go here. And you'll take that step. You'll respond to Him. And you'll begin to fellowship here. But there will become a time where you're like, it just isn't, it isn't the same as it used to be. And this is where the danger comes for a lot of people because they once fell in love with Jesus and it seemed like, man, the relationship was so strong and so intimate and God, you were so real to me. But then all of a sudden, that, that warm, fuzzy feeling kind of goes away and then that's where people start to fall back into old lifestyles. But you see, once God's here, God says, now listen, I'm going to take a step over here and I want you to follow me. But you see, what caused me to get there can't get me here. I've got to make some new choices to reach beyond my limits to get here where God is. That means that I can't keep on doing and living and acting and thinking and all the other things that I did. God is stretching me to reach further to where He is. And once I make that step and reach then I experience the goodness of God and just all of the new things that God has for me. But once again, there's coming a time where God says, all right, I'm going to take another step, and I want you to follow me. What is it? That's maturity. That's growing in your relationship with God. And how many of you know that nothing that you leave behind is anything that you'll miss? Man, if I could get that over to people that God is never asking you to lay down anything that will ever benefit your life one bit. Amen? Let me, let me, again, this thought just came, because all you people can relate to this. How many of you have ever had those relationships in your life where, you know, man, this is Mr. Wonderful, or this is Mrs. Whatever, and you're thinking, my life is just so complete because of them, and then all of a sudden, it breaks apart, and you're devastated. I remember Garth Brooks came out with a song, Thank God for unanswered prayers. And that was my mantra for a long time. Woo, praise the Lord. You know what I'm saying? In fact, one particular individual that I dated way back when uh, was, was a person that, went to my, uh, that worked at my children's school for a season. And my wife got wind of that was the particular girl. And she goes, you dated her? <laughs> she didn't look like that way back then, man, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm telling you. My point is this, <laughs> my point is this, is that you've experienced those things in your life where in the moment you, you experience a loss and you're thinking, oh my gosh, it hurts. But you get over here and you experience the goodness of the new, what God brought into your life. And you look back and you think, dear God, why in the world was I whining and fussing over that when I see what God has brought me to and the blessing and the goodness of his mercy? Amen. And God will never lead you into something that he doesn't have great things in store for you. 
But I'm telling you, in the maturing process of reaching, there's going to be a stretch that what God wants me to do or to get me here has to be different than what got me there. Does that make sense? But I'm telling you, the rewards are so worth it. Are you doing okay this morning? Let me wrap this up because we got communion to take, and I want us to be able to take communion as a family. God will show us, us, show us His best. When it seems as though we've come to our limits, God shows up with His best. Did you notice that the Bible says that when the water was turned into the wine, the master of the feast said, you've saved the best for last. And we oftentimes think, well, God, is this going to give me just something that I don't like? You know, I don't enjoy myself. It's not fun serving Jesus. But we see that whatever God does, He gives us the very best. It just causes us or it just requires a reach on our part. You may have experienced the goodness of God this year in the time of a pandemic. Well, if God can be that good during a pandemic... How much better can God be when things are good? Amen. I'm looking forward to 2021. Not because of an escape mentality. It's just because, man, God has been amazing in 2020. And I can't wait to 2021. Man, I'm telling you what God said at the beginning of the year. He says, I'm going to restore your joy and your joy shall be made full. And I'm telling you, I'm pretty doggone happy and stirred up at the end of this year. When I look back over this year, I'm like, God, you've been so good. You've been so faithful. But God, I'm believing you for more. God, there's more of your glory. There's more of your goodness. And I want to see it. God wants us to be stretched. He wants us to reach. And once again, if you recall... The Bible says that they ran out. Well, what does running out of the drink and a wine do for those that are hosting it? It brings embarrassment, doesn't it? Oh, dear God. We ran out of food. I mean, we still got half the people to serve, and we ran out of the roast beef. Doesn't look good, does it? So God, in this hour, anything that has happened that you feel like has brought embarrassment to your life, no, God's restoring things, and God's going to make you look good. In this hour. Let me give you a couple of things here just as we close up. In 2021, as we purpose to reach, <clears throat> we're purposing to reach beyond our limits. We're getting aggressive to partner with God and draw near with Him. He's going to speak, and so therefore we're going to listen. He's going to change our position, so therefore we're going to take action. And if God's not moving, then we're going to move God in this hour. Because we're going to reach. We're going to take the limits off. And here's what the Bible says. That in that story, it says that when God showed up and the, wine was, or the water was turned into wine, the Bible says that the disciples believed and Jesus manifested His glory. Every time God's glory shows up, miracles begin to happen. But people start to believe. I'm telling you, 21 is going to be a year that people come to the family of God because the glory is coming back to the church. Amen? Can we invite the kids? They're on their way? All right, very good. When you see your kid, just grab them.
slap them, whatever you got to do. We, we'll turn an eye. We <laughs> but now, isn't it interesting that the first miracle, the beginning of signs, was the water turning into wine? But Jesus also said when he departed, he says, now, I want you to take communion and do it in remembrance of me. And he said, and when you take the wine, the wine actually represents my blood. Amen? Amen. If you have your elements, I think I got mine on me. Why don't we stand up together if that's okay? I don't know if you can stand up together and do what you need to do here. But can we just peel off the top here? Well, I guess you got to do it the right way. Sorry. If you need to help your child, help your child. They should have gave us instructions for these things. <laughs> there we go. I got mine open. <laughs> Sorry about that. You should have your bread and your juice. If you recall, the Bible says... The reason why Jesus said to do this, he says, the bread represents my body that was broken for you. The blood represents the blood that was shed for you. And he says, do this as often as you eat to remember. God never wants us to look back and remember the past and all the junk of it. The only thing that he ever said to look back and to remember is the faithfulness of God. He says, in these moments, he says, I want you to look back and remember my body that was broken and the blood that was shed. And he said, and every time you do that, it's my promise to you. The Bible actually literally says that there's power in the communion elements. Not in themselves, but what it represents. Because it causes you to remember and to reach. To reach for God's faithfulness. So he says, the bread represents my body that was broken for you. He says, my body was broken so that yours don't have to be. Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5, it says, by his stripes you were healed. But he also says, the chastisement of your peace was upon him. He was bruised for your iniquities. He was crushed for you. So, excuse me, so that not only do you, can you have physical health, but you can have mental health and well-being. So right now, as we partake, I want you to receive what Jesus came to do. Healing from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Healing mentally, emotionally, physically. Reach this morning. Stir your faith to say, God, I've reached my limits, but your limits go beyond mine. Let's break and partake together. In Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your blood or for your body that was broken for us. We thank you that your body was broken so that healing would be made available to every child of God. And so, God, right now, I speak wholeness and healing over every single person. 
I thank you for minds being clear. I thank you for emotions to be comforted. I thank you for physical bodies being restored. I thank you right now that arthritis is even being removed and comforted in Jesus' name. Yeah, the swelling of the joints are being healed right now in Jesus' name. And we give you all the thanks. Amen. He also says this is the cup that reminds you of the blood that was shed. And every time that you say, I don't feel worthy, every time that you say, yeah, but, the blood covers your yeah, but. It removes every excuse. It removes every fault or failure that you have. When you feel as though you're unqualified to receive from God, the blood of Jesus is what paid the price. Not that you had to work to receive it. And he says, this is the new covenant. He's made us a promise. And in 2021, we are reaching to new heights, going to new places, and the glory of God is going to fill our homes, our marriages, our church, our lives like we've never experienced before. Let's partake together in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. We thank you, Father, that we don't have to qualify ourselves, but you did everything for us. We thank you that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and therefore we could receive everlasting life. If you're here just by chance, and you're here and you're saying, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. I want you to know right now, you don't have to look at your past. All you have to look in this moment and hear God saying to you that I love you. And I sent Jesus to die for you. And he shed his blood for your sin. And so if you're here right now and you say, I don't know whether I'd go to heaven. I don't know if I'm a Christian or not. Maybe you've never received Christ into your life. I simply want to give you that opportunity right now, this last Sunday of 2020. And it's simply saying, God, forgive me of my sins. And if you hear me praying and that, uh, that relates to you, you just pray to yourself. You pray to God in yourself and say, God, I want to receive right now. Say, dear Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I want to receive Christ into my life. Lord, come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a simple prayer brings you into the family of God. And we'll be with you all along the way to help you grow in your relationship with Him. Amen? Amen. Did you get anything out of this this morning? Amen. How many of you know the best is yet to come? How many of you are going to reach this year? Come on, I'm telling you what, I am out of shape as I can be, but if you run, I'll run with you. I'll run as fast and as hard as I can, and, and doggone it, you'll have to do your best to keep up with me, because I'm telling you, this year, 2021, is going to be an amazing year, full of God's glory, full of God's grace, and we're going to see amazing things. Amen. subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening 
We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, and loving life.